Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romanverse. It's Steve here with Jimmy. Brandon not with us for this one. He's traveling for work, so the two of us are going to hold it down here. Um, we did not get to record immediately after last week's Europa League final. So Jim, I guess a good place to start, even though we're almost a week out now, is just kind of a little chat about that Europa League final, and then we can talk a little bit about Spezia before putting a wrap on the season. Yeah, I mean, like I guess I would say with the Europa League final... Uh... I feel like we've generally exercised most of our uh, Roma happened demons uh, over the course of the past couple of years, thanks to Mourinho, Dybala, a lot of investment in the squad, things like that. Um, but in this particular case, I'm going to just go out and say it. There, have, I've seen some people on the internet who are saying that the treatment of Taylor was appropriate. It wasn't at all. Like, I think that we need to understand that at the end of the day, a sport is a sport and it's a game. Like, it's a game that we all enjoy and that we love, but it's, we need to treat it like that in some respects. However, the refereeing in that match was atrocious. I think we can both agree. Um, And it's frustrating to lose a Europa League final like that. But you and I talked about this in the interim between our episodes. Part of me thinks that Roma will have more success in keeping the band together with that loss, um, with kind of that loss happening in that way, gives kind of the unfinished business vibe to next season. Um, and as much as it would have been great to be in the Champions League next season, I think the idea that we need to force our way back into the conversation for the Europa League final and make sure that we actually win it this time around is a compelling argument. Uh, for the club, I think it's a compelling argument for Mourinho, and I think it's a compelling argument to keep Dybala around. And all signs point to now Dybala staying around despite not getting Champions League. Um, yeah, it was definitely a disappointing loss. I don't want to have to relive that match because it was just a hard match to watch in terms of how many yellows Roma racked up compared to um, Sevilla, even though Sevilla quite clearly deserved a lot of yellows. Um, the one refereeing decision that I think was in Roma's favor was with the Banya's yellow or potential yellow in the box being a penalty. I didn't think that should be a penalty. Um, and it was not called one, which is good, but there were a lot of other instances, whether it was effectively 
taking the wind out of the midfield sails by giving them quick yellows to start the match or not giving a penalty after a clear handball where we were saying this in the, in our writers chat during the match, it kind of seemed like the ref was bought just in terms of how unbalanced a lot of these calls were. And that's really frustrating. But when it comes to Roma's long-term plans, I don't think it'll be derailed too much if Roma was able to get through the Europa League and win it next year. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't crazy about the refereeing. I, I think that was pretty clear. Um, <clears throat> the Ibanez incident, it was called a penalty on the field. I was surprised it was taken back so quickly because I, I did think there was a little contact. I think it might have been a little soft of a penalty. But usually when they're given and there's contact, they, they stick with it. So Roma kind of dodged a bullet there, I thought. Um, but then the handball situation, I, I his hand was pretty far off his body. I know that was that big topic of debate on Roma Twitter. Um, you know, the the fact that Eric Lamella was still on the pitch after that foul in extra time. I mean, he pretty much bloodied up Ibanez's his, his lip. So there was definitely some incidences where you're like, how is Sevilla not getting any cards? I mean, in, in the match, Roma was handed out cards like candy. I mean, there was an incident where I think it was Rakitic got the first yellow card for a Sevilla player on the pitch, and Cristante got a card on that same play for, like, dissent because he basically said to the ref, like, where's the card? When's it coming out? It, it did come out at some point, but I don't know if Taylor even gives the card if Cristante doesn't say something, and then he gets That's a card the himself on the play. And yeah, I mean, like, I always get bugged in Serie A when, you know, I feel like it's a trope that throughout most of the 2010s, whenever anything happened on the pitch during a Juventus-Roma match, the referee would be immediately surrounded by 10 uh, Juventus players. And that always bugs me. And don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not a fan of that tactic of, like, kind of mobbing the ref. At the same time, the way the ref was viewing this match kind of required some, not aggression, but at least, like, commentary on the fact that there were time and time again... Roma was getting called on ticky-tack fouls and Sevilla was just being able to skate by. Um, I think there was a point in the match where there were actually players on the bench. There were more players on the bench for Sevilla who had received yellows than players on the pitch, which was just kind of insane to me because it was very clear to me that it's not like they were playing a clean game themselves. Like we said this before the match, it was going to be an ugly one and it was. Um, But the difference maker in my mind was the fact that Roma racked up five or six yellows as opposed to Sevilla getting like, I think two for on pitch yellows and you change the facets. You change the entire shape of a match when you hand out that many yellows to one side, because they know that they've got to operate on thin ice effectively. And Roma played that way once all those yellows racked up and that's the right way to play. And obviously, you know, I think we'll, definitely talk about the uh the interesting penalty order for Roma in the at the end of this one I still don't really get why that was done but uh that's the only thing that I can really critique Mourinho for here uh that the who was taking those penalties that made very little sense to me and if you're here if you're able to decipher it let me know but beyond that I feel like he played the match like the way it was supposed to be played and a lot of things were taken out of Roma's hands in this one. Yeah, especially when you see like a guy like Matic got the card in the 21st minute, and then it was Mancini right after halftime, and, you know, Cristante a little bit after that. So these are all guys who you're expecting to defend for you, you know, take on players in the open field, and it puts them in 
in precarious situations when you know you're on a yellow ready, you can't make those tactical fouls and things like that. So it certainly conditions the way certain players play. Um, and I, I, I saw Brandon sent in the group to chat yesterday that uh, Taylor is potentially under investigation from UEFA. Barstool uh, Soccer tweeted it out, or Barstool Football, whatever they, they call their, their version of it. Um, that he might miss out on European matches um, on the big stages in, in the future because of his performance. But that, like I said, in, in response, like it sadly won't help us, right? It doesn't, it doesn't help Roma at all. And um, the match did play out as I expected. Roma scoring first, I thought was vital. They did score first on a, a beautiful pass from Mancini to Dybala in the 35th minute. And the thing that I hated the most in this match was after halftime, Roma just did not seem like they had the same uh, drive to go forward and get a goal, which I, I understand Roma's won plenty of matches, won nothing this season, especially in Europe. They've gotten it done. But second goal, I thought would have killed it off. Unfortunately, the goal ended up being an own goal off of Mancini's knee. It was a tough play coming back toward the goal. Hard to fault him on that. But I just, it, it, around the 50th minute, I said to myself about five minutes into the half, like, it, it doesn't feel right the way Roma's approaching it. It's too early for this. And then li- literally five minutes later is when, Sevilla got the tying goal, but Sevilla did not do a whole lot on on offense. You know, Roma did the job. No, they really didn't. Um, yeah. And I think I will add that I think that part of the problem for Roma was that <sighs> there's no two ways about it. Roma's attack was pretty miserable. Uh, Bilotti continued to be a no-show, and Dybala put in a great 70 minutes, but it was very clear after the start of the second half that he was running on fumes. And yeah. I guess we got somewhere between what some of ex- us expected and what Mourinho was saying uh, prior to I think the he match. Said Thirty he saying, minutes, right? He yeah. was saying thirty minutes, which, you know, I didn't think that was true. I was hoping that he'd be ready for the full ninety, uh, but that obviously wasn't true either. And so, you can't really fault DiBala for this one at all. Uh, coming off of an injury layoff, scoring a vital goal and playing for longer than his coach was saying that he would be able to play. Um, and just, I mean, in the aftermath of the match, I think we can also say that it was really fantastic to see how emotionally invested Dybala was mm-hmm. in all of this. You know, there's a certain element of life where I think everyone wants to see themselves as the protagonist, and I think that every club in the same on the same token wants to think of themselves as, like, unique in some respect, um, as special, that their fans are special, that, you know, there's some secret sauce that separates them from the others. And of course, I write for Roma about Roma and have written about Roma for, you know, eight years now. So I'm clearly biased in this. But I also think it's very evident that when you see how current and former players talk about being at Roma, that there really is something that separates this club from a lot of others out there. Uh, I think that as much as we, as much as I might hate the fact that Roma is both a big club, but a club that doesn't win very much at the same time. I think that combination of having really diehard fans with kind of the level of focus on the club that you see more with like a Real Madrid or a Barcelona, um, but not necessarily all those results does engender 
strong emotions for the players. I mean, there's just a certain amount of commitment that like, let's say you're Allison Becker or um, Mohamed Salah and you move to Liverpool, like you're making more money. You're probably winning a premier league title. You're, you might even get to a champions league final or two, but they still sound wistful when they talk about Roma. And I think that there's a reason for that. And you look at how Dybala acted. There was a video that I saw on Twitter of his, the comparison between him losing the champions league final and losing the uh, Europa League final. And he was practically bawling when Roma lost the Europa League final, whereas he was pretty stone-faced when Juventus lost the Champions League. And I think that's kind of an indicator of the secret sauce that Roma has and why I'm pretty confident that Roma will be able to keep Dybala, why Roma's keeping Mourinho, because we, when we'll talk about you know what he has indicated post-match. And also just like, let's be brutally honest when it comes to the free agent signings that are already rumored to be closed. Like let's do we, do we really think that like Evan Ndika and Hossam Awar would be agreeing to sign for Roma immediately if they didn't think Mourinho was sticking around? Like, I think that he's a big part of the appeal. So the, there's a lot of things that can leave you feeling bitter after the Europa league final. I can take away a level of investment in our key players and manager that should be, you know, appreciated and leave you feeling optimistic for the future. Yeah. I, I, I think you make a great point there. Dybala was so invested in, in the, in the moment, right. Of losing with the team he's been with for one, one season. He's been with the club for one, season. one you know, season. Yeah. Yeah. And he's already invested in that sense. I know he had good things to say after the, the conclusion of the Spezia match about the, the fans and, and the support from, from the, the Tifosi, but Definitely a tough one to to stomach watching Roma lose on penalties. I mean, you look at the XG, Roma created 1.9 to Sevilla 0.8. Um, you know, um, the, the keeper, Bono, he made a couple really good saves. Like, there's a fingertip. It was literally like his pinky on Belotti, I remember, late in the match. You know, Roma yeah, the had one thing more chances. The most Roma happened about that final was that the goalkeeper discovered that he was secretly Gianluigi Buffon this entire yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Um and then even Smalling's header off the crossbar at the end, right, right oh, before extra okay. time, he looped it over Bono, and, and it looked like it was going to go for a second. It didn't. I didn't have a good feeling about penalty kicks to begin with. Uh, you mentioned the order. That was surprising to me. I know Pellegrini was off the pitch. Dybala was off the pitch. Um, Matic was off the pitch. Those are probably guys I think Mourinho would have had shooting in his top three probably, especially Dybala and Pellegrini. Um, I think he trusts Matic enough probably to even shoot him. We've seen him just unleash some some cannons this season. Um, he went with Cristante, uh, Mancini, Ibanez, and then we don't even know who would have been fourth and fifth. But I was surprised Belotti and El Shirari weren't in those first couple, being the the attackers that were on the field. I know El Shirari is not a guy who usually takes penalties, but Belotti took them for Torino for a while. Um, I know he, I think he was 0 for 1 this season. He actually missed against his former club, when I think when Roma tried to like almost gift him a goal at the end of that match. And I think Matic ended up salvaging something for Roma in that one back in uh, pre-World Cup. But that was a curious one to me. You know, center backs aren't always the best shooters. Some of them are really good, and then others are not so great. I remember, you know, uh, I think it was Matarazzi took one in, in the World Cup really in 2006, right? Not someone you'd expect, and he buried it. But <clears throat> not the greatest from Roma on penalty kicks. It, it always felt... Like if it got that far, it was probably bad news for us, and it ended up being so. And 
you know, it's it's a tough way to lose because not only did Roma lose the trophy, they they lost Champions League qualification in the process. I think that that's what makes this one of the tougher losses in a long time, probably maybe since that Sampdoria match, you know, about a decade ago when Ranieri was in charge and it was Mourinho's Inter that ended up winning the Scudetto um, in terms of magnitude, I think, of, of, of a loss. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with that. Um, it was definitely a kick in the nuts, so to speak. Uh, to lose that one on penalties in particular. And you talked about XG already, but I think that even just from a pure feel of the game for that entire God knows how many minutes, I think it got to like 140 eventually in terms of how much extra time was tacked on. Uh, yeah, they added on a lot. They added on like eight minutes onto the full 90 and then another like seven or eight to the to the extra time. Um, Roma played a better game of football than Sevilla did in terms of creating chances in terms of playing it's kind of funny the shoes on the other foot now with uh these up clubs like Bayer and other things saying like Roma's playing anti-football they don't deserve to be in the final and comparatively speaking Roma played more football in my opinion than Sevilla did in that final so it's kind of funny how that works um but at the same time I don't know I think that I would feel way more downtrodden about this. Like I felt very downtrodden about the Manchester United loss to in the Europa League under uh, Fonseca several seasons back, because it was like, this is our chance. Like this is our only chance. If you get what I'm saying. Um, like it seemed like, like every time that we've gone deep in like the Europa League or the champions league before, it's always been like, Oh wow. We're really not supposed to be here. We've better seize on this moment and try to win it. Whereas something that's giving me comfort as we look ahead is the idea that Roma is supposed to be here, if that makes sense. I think that comparatively speaking to how I felt five or six years ago about this club, I actually do, despite maybe being lower in the Serie A table, I do feel like Roma is supposed to be here. And like, I'm, I don't know about you, but when it comes to the Europa League for next season, I wouldn't be shocked if Roma ended up in the final again. Yeah, I know in our round table that we we published, I guess, like about 24 hours after the match, Brendan said, you know, I, I almost would rather take one of those 7-1 drubbings. I'm like, never again. Like, how could you say yeah, you no, know, 7-1 that, loss? Yeah. Like, that's just embarrassing when that happens. We've seen that happen too many times where Roma was just embarrassed in Europe. I remember early on in my fandom back in 2007 against Manchester United, Roma won the first leg of the Champions League. I think it was the quarterfinals, um, 2-1, and then got thrashed 7-1 in that match in, in Old Trafford. And I just remember a young De Rossi scoring a lovely backheel goal like volley, and it wasn't even talked about because Roma got hammered so bad in that one, and then we got hammered by Bayern Munich in another match. I think that was actually a group stage one, but we got hammered. <clears throat> you mentioned United in the Europa League a couple of years ago. Even the Champions League, the deep run five years ago, the first leg at, at Anfield was a disgrace, right? It was completely done wrong by Roma, and it cost them in the second leg, even though they outplayed Liverpool in that one, and I'd rather lose, and you never want to lose, but if I'm going to lose, I'd rather lose the way Roma lost this one. Yeah, Just because you know Roma, and, and it hurt might, might hurt more in the end because you're like, oh, we were so close, but man, at least it you know, could leave with your head held high. Yeah, um, and like I also think there's a certain extent to the 7-1 drubbings and the things like that. Like, <sighs> I hate to admit this, but I've said it before in, one, in other ways. Roma, for many decades, I think, the best comparison that you can make to Roma is has often been like the New York Mets or 
the or Tottenham Hotspurs or things like that, like clubs who, for better, for lack of a better term, are sometimes banter clubs, um, clubs that you can make fun of and for good reason. And those seven-one yeah. losses are a big part of that. Let's just be honest. Like getting drugged yeah. like that, even Bodo, right? Bodo too. It's your ego, and I'm tired of it. And I don't really like. I will never. If if I could, okay, I wouldn't sell my soul but like if i could sell like half a kidney and and i would be guaranteed that roma would never lose a match 7-1 again sold like i i don't want that to be part of this club's dna and we talk about mentality being such an important thing for this club you don't build up a winner's mentality by having those losses (laughs) no there's a reason why Mourinho basically cleaned house of a lot of the players who played in that bodo 7-1 loss like those guys are not around anymore for a reason like, I think Zalewski is the only guy there. And it was like, well, he's 19 at the time. What can you do? Um, and everyone else, it was like, oh, wow, you really just cannot handle it. So I would say, you know, I would much rather have a loss like this as painful as it was than a drubbing that, you know, we've kind of gotten used to in European competition in the past. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I guess we'll end it there with the Europa League. Um, because it made Saturday or Sunday's match much more meaningful. So, Jim, anything else in Europa League before we move on? We'll be back in the final next season. All right, so let's take a quick commercial break here, and then we'll be back to talk a little bit about the Spetsy match from Sunday. All right, so that loss in the final hurt, didn't take home the silver, but it also hurt because it meant no Champions League next season for Roma. With Juve losing those 10 points in the standings. It did throw Roma that lifeline though, of uh, having a little bit easier path to the Europa league for next season, which, because, you know, I don't think anybody wants to be in the conference league. We've said it before. We'll say it again. You know, it was great to win the conference league once, but nobody wants to be there uh, continuously. Cause then you kind of not seeing any growth in, in the club, right? That's kind of like that stepping stone tournament at this point, you know, Fiorentina is hoping to do the same thing tomorrow. Or by the time you listen to this, they may have already played West Ham, but um, with that, Roma was on 60 points, Juve on 59, Atalanta was on 61. Those were the three teams fighting for the last two Europe spots. We don't know what's going to happen with uh, UEFA and Juve. You know, Roma could have finished behind him, and then UEFA might have pulled the rug out from under the old lady anyway. But I know... What a wording right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't want to end up there in that situation where then they reached some plea bargain type agreement with UEFA and you know, they promised to clean things up and UEFA's like, all right, fine, you're in the Europa League next year and Roma's stuck in Conference League. So Roma needs to take care of business on their own uh, in the last match of the season against Betsy at home. And Jim, it was not it was not the easiest match. It was not smooth sailing. Spezia are fighting for their lives in Serie A pretty much. Um, a loss and they know they could potentially be relegated and turns out they could still be relegated because they're having a one-off playoff against uh, Hellas Verona this coming weekend. Um, to see who stays up and said, yeah, because they did finish level on points after the, the past weekend because um, both teams ended up even. Um, and the, the way the tiebreakers worked out, I guess they have to just play that one off. So hungry Spezia team, desperate Spezia team scored six minutes into the match. And <laughs> from there, you're like, oh, this might get interesting. And, and it was interesting for a while. Yeah, I mean... Let me put it this way. I didn't really know what to expect from Roma coming out of this Europa League final loss because that was a gut punch in every way, shape, and form. And not a gut punch in the 7-1 loss way that we've described, but like a gut punch in the, we did everything we could and it still wasn't enough kind of way, which is almost worse. 
when you feel like you when it's like you don't know what you could have done better and you still failed that's a lot harder than well if we had actually shown up we could have won yeah and coming to this one i was hoping for a win because obviously i didn't want to be in the conference league again i was not overly optimistic but i gotta say there were some positives to be seen here even though it wasn't the prettiest match from roma um, the first one that I'm going to bring up is uh, Nikolaus Zalewski himself. Uh, we can argue about, you know, whether that was more of a pass or a goal, but uh, we've always known that he's had good shooter's boots. That's never been a question. Um, and it's been more out of necessity in my mind that he's been playing in a more defensive role over the past season or so for Roma. If you look at how he plays for Poland's national team, it's definitely not as a fullback. Um, and I'm hoping, personally, Steve, and I've been saying this for a while, that he's able to transition to more of a forward role going forward. Um, I think that the Spezia match showed that he's got a creative eye, that he's got a eye towards goal that is kind of put to disservice if you're just leaving him as a even a left wing back or right wing back. Uh, beyond that, you know, Paolo Dybala, was able to once again save Roma's skin um, and become even more beloved by the fan base. There's not really much more that we can say about him. He's been a fantastic addition to the club, and he is a, without a doubt, Roma's star player at the moment. Um, apologies to Lorenzo Pellegrini, because I feel like he's probably second place behind Dybala at this particular moment. Um, but that's not a slight to Pellegrini either. He's been, I, I would say that he was actually quite good in the, in the, um, when he's been playing. Um, but yeah, he's just, Dybala is an otherworldly player. And my final note from that Spezia match is please, please, please. If I, I'd been seeing rumors about Belotti getting extended. If you, ex- if Roma extends Belotti and doesn't extend Stefan El Sharawi, I'll be so expletive annoyed. Um, like, like, in terms of effort on the pitch, in terms of actual goal output, in terms of making things happen, even if it's if you're not going to call it an assist when you set up a penalty, like El Sharawi has mopped the floor with Belotti this season. He has was there was far less expected of El Sharawi this season than Belotti, and Belotti did not score a single league goal. Um, if you can get Belotti on a discount and like give him a prove it type deal where it's like okay, you got one you got one more season. And you're playing cheap, but you will be the backup to our striker, whoever we signed to replace Tammy Abraham. Um, maybe. But Stefan El Sharawi has been a spark in a moment when Roma had no attacking spark whatsoever beyond Paolo Dybala and Lorenzo Pellegrini. That needs to be rewarded. And I think I'm, I'm sure that you saw the news about the sign that the uh, Tifosi hung up for El Sharawi after the match, basically saying someone who lives for the shirt should still be able to play for the shirt. Um, and that, that really does seem to be where SES is um, both in the minds of the Tifosi and in his own mind, which, you know, thinking back a decade, would you have thought that that would be El Shirawi's career path? He's had a weird career path, but but at the same time, I appreciate him. I appreciate what he brings to the table. Bren has officially, Bren, who's always been SES's number one guy, um, has officially sold me. I'm, I'm, I'm on the SES hype train for good now. 
Yeah, I've I've always been a big fan of his. Um, you know, I was sad to see him leave when he did leave for for the big money move to China. I was very happy when they got him back, and <clears throat> I think at this point he knows his role, right? And I think that's so important. He's very professional about it. He did not play very much early in the season uh, to the point where I was like, wow, Mourinho's like not giving him any burn. Like, this is interesting. And then as the season wore on and he got his opportunities, he took advantage. He scored some big goals for Roma this season. He busts his, his behind when he's on the pitch for Roma. I, I agree. I think he's got to be brought back. Uh, I'm reading from Sky today. It was reported that Roma has made a renewal bid and are currently waiting response from El Shari and his entourage. I know there was reports earlier in the season that he was willing to come back on a kind of a cut rate deal, knowing that he's not like an out and out starter anymore. I think he's made his money. He knows that I think he loves playing for Roma. Um, and, you know, he, he's a guy who in his best days for Roma was a, a double digit guy. And uh, I remember when he came up for Milan, him and Balotelli playing together, they were looking like the next big things for Italy. And he just, his issue was he couldn't stay healthy. You know, Balotelli was the attitude issues. It was El Shirari, nothing like that. He's, he's always been well received from what I've seen and, and heard. And, I thought when Roma got him, it was like a steal. I think it was from Monaco. He had that one off-season at Monaco over there after his Milan days. And and Roma took advantage, and he finished with seven goals this season in 14 starts, 29 matches played. He averaged 52 minutes a match uh, based on those those averages I'm seeing here. And he scored seven times. Um, just that just Milan to Monaco to Roma pipeline? Because didn't that, that was Cristante too, right? No, Cristante was at Atalanta. But he might have had – he was – No, he Cristante was at Milan, point. no? Crisante was Milan, and then Crisante uh, was Milan. Portugal. Oh, he was at Benfica. That's what it was. Benfica, yeah. Um, okay, okay, but I, I'm all due respect. I, I kind of categorize both of those clubs in you know similar similar terms, as in like a, a tier below, um, kind of the bigger clubs of Italy. Uh, but yeah, I would say that I think if, if they're able to sign a renewal for him, that's for the best. Um, especially with Tammy Abraham out, which is obviously one of the bigger stories of this match that he tore his ACL. Um, when Ro- yeah. Roma had such, generally speaking, actually decent luck this season when it came to injuries. And of course, last match of the season, when Roma needs a financial fair play injection, Tammy, Tammy tears his ACL. Which brings us to our next topic, which is probably going to be the transfer market. Uh I guess this means yeah. Rod- we said we said this before that that ACL tear probably means Roger Ibanez is gone, right? Yeah, I mean, just before to, just to wrap the Spezia match, I mean, the refereeing there wasn't great either. I thought on the no penalty yeah. right before they got the penalty, Roma, yeah. <laughs> it was getting nervy there. I, I was kind of half watching the match because I had I had company over and it was on in the background, and I'm, I was sitting, I was at you know position myself advantageously in the dining room. I could see the living room TV uh, when we're there, but. It was there were definitely points where I got a little bit worried, like, oh, this this might not happen. Did you ever get that feeling in this match that like oh this might not happen? We might be going to the conference league, Juve's up in their match. I will be honest and say that compared to you, I was more confident in the fact that UEFA wants to kick Juventus back to the Stone Age. Um and I think there was news today about of Juventus officially pulling out of the Super League. Yeah. Uh that I don't think that'll solve all of their problems, but I'm pretty sure that, you know, that's definitely part of why UEFA is not happy with Juve. Uh, I thought we were going to get Europa League, whether by actual placement or by 
Juventus being pulled out of all European competitions. So I wasn't too worried. I'll be honest. It, I, I, you, I, did you think like there was a point of when it was one, one and getting to close to that 90th minute where you're like, Oh, we might not get the goal. We need to like guarantee it. I mean, there was minor, there was a minor worry there. Uh, but I general, like I, even if it wasn't guaranteed through actual performance, like as Mourinho said a couple weeks ago, he was like, I'm frustrated that Juventus's point deduction has been like fluctuating because it means that like my strategy for yeah. match match changes things. As much as that's true, I never really thought Juventus was going to be getting European football next season. And I think that that actually will give us a leg up in certain situations. Like we'll be probably talking about the David Fratesi situation as well with if Juventus is the main competition for that and we can actually offer Europa League football compared to Conference League or no European football at all. That's going to be helpful for Roma as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I kind of have the same feeling that Juve is probably going to have some kind of punishment from UEFA, but I, I don't like to leave these things into other people's hands. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> like we same. saw in in the EL final, like with the referee controlling kind of what how that outcome went in some ways. So <clears throat> good they got the win. It was fitting. It was Dybala getting the penalty kick in the 90th minute to win it and and seal the deal. And man, I it, part of me said to myself when he made that, I wish this match was in reverse order with the other match, just in terms of his fitness, because it would have been nice to have him at least through all of regular time against Sevilla, getting 90 minutes out of him might've been, been the key made all yeah. the difference in that match. So, you know, hindsight's 2020. We could always play the what if game. We could done could have done that plenty of times in our time as Romanisti for sure. Um, but yeah, Abraham is the big talking point in the match, right? It, it, it comes down to nice to get the win and all that, but when, when Tammy went down and you saw him rolling there and you kind of saw the way his his knee went, you were like, this is probably not good. And yeah. that is another example of Roma happened. I mean, he was on the pitch for, I think, 16 minutes and got hurt coming off the bench trying to salvage the match for Roma. He lasted no time at all. He came, off, he came on the 64th out <sighs> by the 80th. And it's, a, it's another ACL. This is his left knee. Um, <clears throat> and you know, initially ACL reports are like four to five months. I, I read he could be out as, as much as nine. I know yeah. all that's probably speculation at this point. I don't know if he's even had the the surgery. I probably not. It's only been a couple days, but it definitely puts a an interesting twist on next season and starting with the Mercato because there's been plenty of speculation. Maybe he goes back to England after the season, had a rough second season. Obviously, his value down a little bit after a big first season in the capital. But whether Roma was planning to sell him and get that cash injection that you mentioned earlier, or they're planning to keep him looking to build around this core of players that they've had, make two European finals and really take that next step and maybe qualify for top four domestically or try to go back out and win that Europa League if they can get a, a good draw there again um, and, and work their way through it and maybe build the depth around it to compete on both fronts whether th that was the plan or to sell him and find a different striker and invest money elsewhere through his sale. We, we will never know at this point because nobody's yeah. going to say from within the club, like even if he was up for sale, nobody's going to say, well, he's on the, you know, surgeon's table. Like, yeah, we were going to sell him, but now we can't. Um, yeah. That's all speculation, but I, either way it kind of screws Roma. Oh, without a doubt. And I mean, this is the moment where it becomes very apparent why Roma needs to be seizing on every free agent signing possible, whether that is, uh, Awar, Ndika, or the other rumored one that has definitely been picking up steam is Yuri Thielmans from Leicester. Uh, 
any of those signings would be very helpful for Roma in a vacuum, but particularly if it's now like, well, we need to find someone to be a good striker for the first half of the season at the very least. Uh, Roma's Mercados almost always get derailed by somebody having an injury, whether that's a fullback or a striker or anybody else. And these free agent signings are going to make it easier for Roma to develop the depth that it so desperately needs to compete for top four and to go deep in the Europa League next season, uh, which gives me confidence, honestly. Uh, I think that it's easy for us to forget that when it came to Roma's quest for top four football this season, that Wijnaldum was non-existent for the first half mm-hmm. of the season. And that was a major factor. I think that I think that if Wijnaldum had been available for the first half of the season, that Roma would probably be top four. Uh, I think that the fact that he had injury issues throughout the season really kind of made it harder for Roma to succeed. And we'll see if Awar, we'll see if other players are able to succeed in Rome that we signed this summer. But just in general, I do think that there are some positive trends in terms of who we're linked to, how quickly that work is being done, and more in reference to who's going to be sticking around from this project, as I mentioned already. Like, I don't think that all these free agents are lining up to sign for Roma as quickly as they seem to be if they weren't given assurances about Mourinho sticking around for another season. Nobody wants to be a free agent signing for a manager who just got hired who might have a totally different game plan for them as a player. Um, And for Mourinho in particular, he's one of the most respected coaches in Europe and players want to play for him. They don't want to play for whoever Roma could get to replace him. Uh, So my general understanding from these quick free agent signings that have been happening is that it probably means that Mourinho and Dybala are sticking around. And it also means that Roma will have more opportunity to flex financial muscle in positions where they can't find a good free agent signing, whether that's David Fratesi, whether that's a striker to give Roma someone up top while Tammy Abraham's out, whether that's a right back who's actually worth a damn. Um, You know, there are a lot of different places where this squad needs more depth and by finding more free agent signings, it enables Roma to be more thoughtful about where it's spending its transfer fee money. Yeah, so you mentioned, Mourinho. So before we get even deeper into the Mercato and kind of maybe where they go at striker, I think it has to be said the, the Mourinho effect is is certainly there when, like you said, with these you know potential free agent signings. I don't think any of these guys are coming so quickly without Mourinho, who's probably been orchestrating a lot of this, you know, in that six month window when these guys hit January and they're going to be a free agent, you can start talking with other teams. Um, It's not like, you know, some of the American sports leagues where you have to wait till like July one for the NBA or NHL or whatever the dates are to start courting free agents. Once that contract is expiring in world football, you can start talking and you have to imagine Mourinho has been on the phone with some of these guys with Pinto, right? They're, his pull is still there. And, and there was some question after the Europa League final. There was some quotes that came out and the way you construed it, it could have been like, well, you know, I really enjoy being here, but I don't necessarily have the energy to do it anymore. Because Mourinho said something about being like not only the manager, but like the spokesperson and this and that and another thing. And you, were, I know in our group text, we were kind of like, ooh, like this might be the end. Um, but then you, you saw what was said after the match. You saw on Sunday at the Olympico, when he was getting, you know, questioned by some of the fans that were within earshot, like, where are you going to be next year? And he's pointing to the ground, like going like, I'm right. I'm going to be right here. He, he, he really enjoys being in Rome. I, I think that's very clear. And yeah. I expect him to be back. I know there was reports yesterday that he had a meeting with 
uh, Dan Freakin, and he was satisfied with the, I guess, responses he got about the Mercato and those kind of guarantees that he's probably looking for to stay because, I mean, Bren's been saying it too. Like, you bring in Paul Dybala, but you're not bringing anybody of – and it's going to be hard to get another player of his quality, but you're not bringing in the players around him that can really make the difference with him. And we saw when he was out that Roma didn't have those difference makers all the time, and especially when Pellegrini was in his slump and Tammy and Belotti were in their slumps all season – um, so I, I agree. I think Mourinho's back. I don't see how he's not with the way things are progressing so quickly. Um, and just before we get into those potential signings, Jim, let's talk about striker for just a minute or two. Like, where does Roma go? I did read that Belotti, uh, his renewal was enacted for two years. I, I think, I don't know if it's been official yet, but I, I read that it's going to happen. Um, at this point, I'd imagine if Tammy's slated to come back around maybe December, January, Roma tries to get through the first four months or so of the season with Belotti as their main striker. I mean, I don't see God, I how he not. could be. I don't see how he could be as bad as he was this season, though. Like this is a guy who scored a hundred Serie A goals with Torino. Well, you're right. He can't be worse. He can't score negative goals. Yeah. Um, four <laughs> words for you, Steve. Christian Volpato, starting striker. Uh, <laughs> more seriously, Roma needs to bring in somebody else, um, regardless of whether they're signing Belotti to a new deal or not, which I really hope that they're not, uh, or whether that was just like an automatic renewal. Like, you cannot trust this version of Andrea Belotti to get you goals. And to be quite frank, you could not really trust last season's Tammy Abraham to get you goals. And, And it doesn't really matter. Like, Roma has two of the best attacking midfielders in Serie A, if not Europe, in Paolo Dybala and Lorenzo Pellegrini. Roma also has some other midfielders including Brian Cristante like I think I hope that we just officially put to rest the idea that you know there are talented players throughout the squad what Roma needs is a striker that can actually you know get the ball in the back of the net and I don't know whether that's going to be an opportunity for a youngster this summer I don't know whether that's going to be a signing uh I'm going to be very unhappy and not optimistic about Roma's season if Andrea Bolotti comes out of training camp being Roma's starting striker. Yeah, I, I mean, the options really right now internally are Bellotti, I guess Solbach, and it seems like he's the build that he can play as as the number nine if he has to. I know there rumors about him leaving, too, because of financial Yeah, I sent that in the group this morning. I, I don't see how they would sell him so quickly unless it was a pretty decent offer. I know... He'd be all plus Valenza because they didn't have to pay anything for him. He was a free agent, but I can't imagine you bring a guy in for six months and then you sell him so quickly. He looks like he's got decent potential. I think he could be a player for Roma, a decent rotation guy at the very least. Yeah. Um, and then it's Eldor comes back on loan probably some, from Spezia. So like those oh, are the God. internal options. And <laughs> I guess, I guess if like the reports are positive enough on Tammy that they'll have him for at least half a season, maybe they go that route. Otherwise, I mean, I know it's going to be in our roundtable. That's probably going to publish Thursday or Friday, our, our wrap that we're doing with the whole crew uh, in type form. I said maybe they can poach someone off of like a relegation-bound team. I don't know, like some guys that come to mind, I was looking through their rosters. Obviously, Enzola from Spezia had a very nice season. I think he had 13 goals. I don't know how uh, yeah. expensive he would I'm always suspicious of that, man. I'm always yeah. suspicious. Like even, even the Bilotti to Roma thing, like my biggest worry of him coming to Roma was like, okay, you've scored over 100 goals for a mid-table side. 
can you and like you have not impressed me that much with the Azuri. Can you do it when, you know, people circle the match with Roma on the calendar five weeks yeah. ahead of time and say, I'm going to target you and make you play uncomfortable. And that is the real difference maker, especially for strikers, I think, when you're playing for Roma. And it's more noticeable for forwards than I think any other part of the pitch that there's just a chasm of talent that exists between like a mid-table and a top-table type player. And it's the reason why Manchester City paid so much money for Holland. It's why, you know, PSG paid so much money for Mbappe. It's because those types of players are still able to be as good as they are and get goals even when the defense has been planning for you for a month and a half. And I'm yeah. just not convinced with Nzola or anybody who's like had one good season for a small side. Remember who had one good season for a relatively small side? Eldor Shamuradov. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. so like, I, I was that was always a head scratcher to me. So like I would just say that in general, my my vibe towards strikers who are not necessarily too young, who have had one successful season or even several successful seasons with a smaller club, is that you have given me no indicator that you can succeed as the front man for a big club. And that's why I was much more excited about the idea of the Tammy Abraham move when it happened. It was because he granted, he was not like the star of Chelsea, but he was a starting striker for Chelsea and they won with him playing. And that's why I'm hopeful that, you know, when he comes back from this ACL tear that he'll find his form again, because I know that he can play as the main striker on a successful big team. Um, And I mean, he did it for Roma that first season. He was really good. Like, let's not, like if if it was flipped, if it was more like the Jaco signing, where he Jaco was just like being called blind by the fans for the first season, and then the second season he became Capocannoniere. Like if we had flopped that with uh, um, Abraham and had a terrible first season and an excellent second one, we would be calling him a king of Rome right alongside Paolo Dybala and Jose Jose Mourinho. Like let's be real there. Um, I think that there's I have optimism for him discovering his form again. My main thing is I'm just very suspicious of any striker who's not under the age of 21 who's been able to like put together a decent season for a small side. Yeah, and I I, I think I'm just thinking from a bargain perspective. You know, I think if Spetsy gets relegated, maybe you could get him on the cheap. Um, but it, again, that's a stopgap solution. I, th- I think, and the problem is that when Tammy comes back, you're going to need him to play relatively well, but you can't force it too quickly. We saw what happens on Yolo and these guys, and it's going to be. That's going to be the big question mark now hanging over the Mercato because Roma has players lined up that they, they really like. Um, it seems like in free agency, they're probably going to make a couple of their moves. But again, without the Champions League money, they're kind of cash-strapped. Like, there are free agents out there, but is, is Roberto Firmino going to come from Liverpool at a rate you can afford and not play Champions League? Probably not. You know, he's got links to Barcelona, Real, and Inter and, and clubs like this already. So um, it really puts Roma in a tough position, you know, I know Zaha was has been linked at points. He's apparently got like a forty-five million dollar offer. Zaha's not linked. Yeah. yeah, so he's not going to stay in Europe at a club like Roma when there's that yeah. much money on the table from from Qatar and Saudi Arabia and places like that. So um, it's going to have to be bargain. You know what I've been missing, thing. Steve? You know what I've been missing? What's that? Um, I've been missing. Walter Sabatini's night moves when it comes to youth prospects. Don't get me wrong. It's been great to see the Primavera players get a really good shout recently, but there's a rumor that I've seen in and out of the, out of the papers over the past couple months where, you know, it seems like he might not be a super expensive option, but he still might be young and intriguing. 
And that man is Marcos Leonardo for Santos. He's 20 years old. He's a striker for Santos. And the rumored transfer fee is 20 to 30 million euros. If Roma was going to be dropping money on a player, which I don't know what the budget is going to look like, let's be honest. We don't really know. Um, I would almost prefer that, especially given the free agent signings that Roma has reportedly figured out already, I would prefer that Roma spend the money on transfer fees for a striker. And if Roma, and like, let's just think about this in a dollars and cents kind of way. If Roma spends 25 million euros on a 20-year-old striker and he pulls a Marquinhos, you can basically quadruple that price pretty quickly. Like we've seen what the going rates are for excellent strikers now. And add in the fact that he might be Brazilian would make the money go off the charts. Uh, I want, if, if Roma's going to bring in a new striker, I want them to spend money on it, plain and simple. I don't want them to bring in another Shamuradov. I don't want them to bring in a guy from Spezia. I want them to bring in someone who, who could give Tammy Abraham an actual run for his money when, once he's back. And the simple reason for that is that it's not fair to Paolo Dybala, Jose Mourinho, or the fans who have been showing up week in, week out in selling out the Olympico to just say, okay, well, for six months, our starting striker is going to be pretty mediocre. Yeah. I mean, I'm seeing like even guys like Mauro Riccardi being linked, right? Can you get him on a loan? If if you can get him on a loan, I know he's not the most desirable um, with Juan Donaro kind of being his agent and running things, but you know what? The guy scored 23 goals this year in Turkey. That's not too bad. Um, yeah. Certainly could be an intriguing thing if he came for the right money. I, I, I'm, I'm very curious to see where where Pinto goes here. Very curious. And it's going to yeah. be very interesting. And it's going to – in some ways, it can be very telling about Tammy's, I guess, progress and Roma's ambitions and how much they can spend and are willing to spend. It's going to be very interesting. So we have to take one more quick break, and then we'll be back to talk uh, just a couple more of the moves that are, are going down in the Mercato. All right, Jim, so let's wrap. Let's spend the last five, ten minutes of this this episode talking about some of the moves that are less us just speculating, throwing names around of who could be playing the number nine for Oma and, and a couple of names that are actually pretty much done deals from what we've read. How uh, Sam Awar, I'm going to probably butcher his name for a while until I get used to it, but he's pretty much a done deal to Roma from all reports. And now I'm seeing um, Evan Indica, a five-year deal is very close, according to, to DiMarzio, all but wrapped up, which would be a huge move for Roma, uh, let's be honest. So, yes. I mean, this is a guy who's who's been linked to bigger clubs in Roma in the past before he was a, officially a free agent, and now it's looking like Roma's got the, the goods in the bag. Five-year deal for a left-footed center back who can defend one-on-one, who's got good pace. He can also play wide if, if need be in a back four. I mean, and he's young still. I think he's like 23, 24 years old. Last I checked. He's 23. Um, 23. Yeah. My guess is he's a Rodri Banya's replacement now. Um, and my guess was that he was always planned to be as such, uh, because I think that they knew from the get go that he'd be easier to replace than Tammy Abraham. And so I wouldn't be surprised if, in all honesty, the Abraham ACL tear hasn't necessarily changed the transfer market plans too much just because, you know, it's a lot harder to find a striker of his quality than it is for Roma to find a center back. And I've talked to some friends of mine who follow the Bundesliga. I've watched as much video of him as I can see. He seems like a pretty great partner for Mancini going forward. 
and I would say that he does present in some ways a similar profile to Ibanez in the sense that he will man mark, he will kind of like hunt down his guy, sometimes have rash decisions, but still be worth having on the pitch. Um, and you need one. I think you need a guy like that to balance out like the Chris Smallings of the world. Um, and you need to have some fire with the ice. And so overall, I'm pretty impressed with that move. Uh, Awar, I'm also pretty impressed by. It, it was not long ago. It was like a season or two ago that, you know, Arsenal, Manchester United, Juventus, major clubs of Roma's caliber or higher were like banging down the door trying to sign this guy. And there have been some rumors about uh, Awar's decision to play for Algeria's national team instead of France's national team, causing some strife with his managers and his and the club that he plays for in Liga. There have been some other reports about, you know, just the manager at his former club uh, not being interested in playing him in his appropriate position. If Roma's going to succeed, I think they need to find some of these great player, bad situation situations and pounce on them and mm-hmm. to me how our situation strikes me as that obviously i don't think we're going to be seeing a situation where we play our pellegrini and dibala at the same time but let's be honest dibala is not playing every single match and also you know i wouldn't be over like i think that there are situations that roma could try to create with like false nines and things like that even like let's say that tammy abraham's out it doesn't hurt to have more attacking minded midfielders because then you can just get creative with your lineup. Um, but more broadly than that, even if we're not talking about getting creative with the lineup, you just need to have depth. Um, and that's the biggest thing that Roma has really lacked this season. It's not that the starting 11 when healthy wasn't quality. It's that the starting 11 wasn't healthy. And then beyond the starting 11, there wasn't as much depth as necessary to actually win on multiple competitions. And signing players like Awar, signing signing players like Indica, that's how you develop depth. Um, You find cheaper options, you find free agent options, then you supplement them with Primavera players who are up to snuff, and then you start creating actual depth there. Um, The third one that has definitely been rumored pretty seriously is Yuri Thielmans, as I mentioned before. Uh, I've one of my best friends, shout out Jamie Sullivan, is a mass like a massive Leicester City fan. Um, he's somewhat skeptical that Thielmans will be able to play in the same defensive mindset the Mourinho demands, which I, th- I will admit, based off of what I've seen of him playing in the Premier League, would be a concern for me as well. Um, he's not necessarily a tracking back type player, and I feel like I'd be getting some chingis under uh, <laughs> PTSD thinking about players who might not ne- like might provide all- the world and a half in the offensive way but not very much on defense and how they can clash with defensive minded managers still he's a player of enough quality and at age 26 that if we're able to sign him that's again like a situation that you don't pass up and I could see him being very complimentary to Roma's midfield retinue and basically being a wine album replacement yeah I mean Roma if, if they land in, D- in Dicka, which is looking likely I mean <clears throat> I'm looking at a list of the top 10 available players in free agent deals and you know the top three you have guys like Screen Yar Messi Benzema and then it's Marcus Turum from Bruce Mönchengladbach and then number five is Evan Indica right um you have T- Tealman's is the seventh best rated free agent by this one website football 365 I'm looking at just to get an idea of who's out there and 
And if Roma can land a couple of those guys, and then it's, you know, Awar's not on this list, but he's, you know, one of those guys who has been fairly highly rated by some. I know others have criticized him. We'll see if working under Mourinho is, you know, something that gets him turned up a bit. He's 24 years old as well, and he's a guy who is talented. Um, I know there's been some issues this year, 16 matches, one goal, one assist, not what you're looking for from, from a player of, his position, that attacking midfield kind of role. Um, you're right. He's not going to play at the same time as Pellegrini and Dybala, but you need the depth. You need the rotation players. And most of his seasons at Lyon have, have resulted in 10 goal and assist, you know, combos most of the time. So hopefully we'll see a, a, some more out of him. Um, but Indica is the big one for me. Um, and I, I think it does <clears throat> make Ibanez probably the first guy out the door from, we can get a decent money offer from him. I know they still have to satisfy the, the financial fair play, um, which make, means you don't really know how much they can get in terms of expenditures. And I know that they're um, according to DiMarzio, they're meeting with Cecil tomorrow to, to gauge the Davide Fratesi situation. I know recently Carnivali, their sporting director said, you know, he better start learning English. My Best guess, my hypothesis would be that'd be a, a Brighton offer coming in with his ex-manager Deserbi. Um, but apparently there was talk with Juve today where they insist on uh, De Winter, one of their youngsters, being inserted in the deal. Uh, according to DeMarcio, they meet with Roma tomorrow. Sassuolo is a club that likes to get young players thrown into those deals. That's kind of how they, they've built their sides and been a mid-table team for a, a long time now. Um, and since they've been in Serie A for 10 plus years now, um, Pellegrini played a couple years there. That's how Fratesi ended up there, right? They've done it with plenty of others. Um, I'd be curious to see what the price tag would be because I don't think Roma could splash the cash they're going to be looking for. I mean, I don't think they bring in Tielmans and Fratesi, do they? A- along with, as long as Matic stays, I-, I don't think they bring in that many central midfielders, do you? Yeah, I don't think that there's probably any more central midfielders that they bring in. I think Fratezzi is too good of a deal to pass up with that 30% sell-on fee, basically being able to be incorporated into any potential transfer fee for Roma. I'm always skeptical of selling off the young talent because that's how mm-hmm. Sassuolo got Fratezzi in the first place. Uh, did Volpato necessarily like blow the light, blow everything up this season? No, but like I still think that he's quite impressive, and he's the name that's been most tied to these Fratezzi deals. Um, and I've still got that Gianluca Scamacca PTSD of uh, letting him go and then him becoming quite a good player as well. Um, so like, I don't know. I think that it's, I wish that we had a better way of moving forward with Sassuolo than just selling some of these young players outright to counterbalance deals. Uh, I wish that, you know, like, okay, there are issues with it, but I appreciated like kind of the selling half the contract element they used to exist in Italian football that you could no, send a guy off co-ownership. <laughs> exactly. Like I miss the co-ownership to a certain extent. And I miss the idea of just being able to say, you know, if you help develop this player and he becomes incredibly valuable, you will benefit approximately how much more you made him valuable. And that would be, I think very helpful in Roma's case where, you know, compared to like a La Liga situation or even a just more developed a lower league situation like England has, there's not really an opportunity for a youth team to be that important for young players trying to grow up. And Sari Bay is not really, you know, that helpful in terms of quality, uh, quality playing opportunities. So 
I'd like Fratesi back. I think that he could be part of kind of this lo- this Italian core that Roma's been developing in a very positive way over the last couple seasons. But at the same time, if you had to ask me if I wanted to spend thirty million or 20, even twenty million and uh, Volpato on Fratesi, or if I wanted to spend twenty to twenty five million on a striker who can give a- Abraham a run for his money, I would choose a striker any day of the week, especially with this ACL tear happening to Tammy. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see if the negotiations progress who they ask for. As much as I wouldn't want to give up anybody too promising of a youngster, Roma doesn't have the money, like we said, to probably pay an outright 40 million euro fee for a, a midfielder who's part of a rotation. Um the the one guy I wouldn't give up who Cesswell might come asking for is Bove. I think Eduardo Bove looks like a player. I think if you're gonna sell Bove, you might as well just hang on to him and save the money you're you're spending on Fratesi and, and probably get the money from that 30% sell-on fee if they he gets sold to a Juve or, or Brighton or somewhere for like 40 million, maybe you make yourself 13 million euros um, to help satisfy the the financial fair play agreement they have with UEFA. Um, because yeah. you, I, I don't know. I, I'd love to have them both on the side as part of a rotation. You know, Cristante, Matic, Fratesi, Bove, um, Pellegrini, throwing another guy in the, in the mix. And, and I think you have a really nice midfield rotation. Um, I'm just curious what... Sesswell is going to ask for because they played hardball last summer. I think they're going to play even harder ball this summer after he had seven goals in the league this year. And and especially if he's now garnering interest from Premier League clubs, you know that always drives up the price. So I'm just curious to see where it goes. Um, but Pinto's going to have his work cut out for him this summer. It's going to be interesting to see. I think the striker situation now puts a whole new twist on things. And, and we're going to have to see how, you know, Roma goes about it. But at, at getting the early signings of Awar and and Dika and keeping that plan in place. Uh, I think keeping Mourinho in place and, and having his pull with maybe a Tealmans or somebody, I think Roma can still have a strong Mercato mm-hmm. um, without spending a ton of money. I thought last year's Mercato, at least on paper was a solid one. It, it you know, Dybala put it over the top, but on paper, Dybala um, rather without Dybala, Belotti, Selic and some of these other players looked pretty darn good. And then, you know, things didn't go as well as they, were expected. So that'll be interesting to see um, how the free agents pan out, but I'd much rather go after a free agent who's got a lot of promise and is, you know, in his prime years or entering his prime years and you can get him for no transfer fee and pay a little extra salary. I think it's the, it's the right move. Um, and I'm excited to see Indica. Yeah. And if that means goodbye to Ibanez, he's, he's battled for the club for a few years now, but the, the mistakes and the, the lapses have kind of worn, worn their welcome on me a bit. I would agree with that. And I would say also that, you know, in a lot of these situations, that whole growth decree thing comes into play once again, yes. where, you know, it, it makes life a lot easier for these, for the club. Yeah. You can pay those salaries without paying that full amount. You get that like yeah. tax break or whatever it is. Yeah. So that's a good point. So um, I guess keep up with the site. We're going to have the rest of our positional reviews. I know Bren's uh, goalkeepers went up. I know the fullbacks went up today. Um, Jim, you've got who do you have the center backs tomorrow? I think going up. I've got the midfield coming up tomorrow. Midfield, Brandon's got the the center backs. I've got the the forwards group going out over the course of the week. We've got our round table, which will probably be broken into two parts. It's a long one coming out toward the end of the week. Um, and then just stick with us for all the the rumors and uh, any official signings that come to be. And we'll be back next week, probably to think do a probably a season review before we get too much into the Mercato. Hopefully, Brandon will be back. I don't know if we can get Brent on. Maybe if you guys test him, we can get him on. But uh, Jim, anything yeah. you want to leave the listeners real, with man. We wrap? Yeah, my my one thing is, Bren, if you're real, please blink three times. Um, <laughs> no, nah, nah, I'm kidding. Um, 
Last thing I'll leave you with is I hope that Romanisti aren't too discouraged by this season because I think that there were actually a lot of positive signs from it. And I can I think that, you know, overall, I'm just hopeful for where this club can go next. Yeah, I agree. I'll, I'll we'll end it on a positive. I think despite the loss in the final, I think there's there's a lot to build on, especially with Mourinho back for another season. Um, and, and some of the guys are bringing in already. I know the Tammy blow hurts, but I think, uh, the club's trending in the right direction. And, and this, from a team standpoint, I'll, I'll end it with this and you can chime in if you want, Jim, in terms of camaraderie and fight for each other and, and not, not give up in matches. I think this is maybe the strongest side I've seen in my time, um, writing, definitely writing for the site and probably just in general as a Roma fan. Oh, I'd agree with that too. All right, so we'll end it there. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll, we'll catch you guys next week.